Hey there, great beardians. Appreciate you all listening. I wanted to thank everybody. I have nearly 4,000 downloads with an average of about 250 per episode, so we're definitely growing. It's also an international audience. 75% are from North America, 12% are from Europe, 5% from Asia, and 8% from other parts of the world, so thank you. There are 70 different countries or territories listening, with the biggest being the United States, Australia, Great Britain, and Canada, and over 600 uh, cities. There's actually 622 cities that have been listening, and Hermitage, Pennsylvania takes the top spot. Not sure why, but thank you so much. Los Angeles and Manhattan, New York are also at the top. I want to let you all know that there's just a couple of little changes. I'm going to slow down my speech. I find myself talking too fast, and I do this in part to stay in the 10 to 15 minute range. I'm going to still try and do that. I may go over, as was seen in the last couple. My governance and the privacy both went 15 to 20 minutes, and I think that it's important, and I haven't heard anything negative about it, so I really want to share the knowledge, share the information, and if I go a bit over, then I go a bit over. I'd rather do that than talk a mile a minute. I'm also adding notes to each episode, so if you go to uh, the website that really hosts this, the cybergraybeard.buzzsprout.com, you can find notes in there, and there are links to articles that I'm referencing. Uh, reach out to me directly again, cybergraybeard at gmail.com is the best way to do it. And for this episode, I'm going to be talking about cybersecurity threats in a remote work environment. And again, I wanted to thank Anita A. of Canada for this episode's topic. So as Chris Jericho says now, on with the show. So I've written a couple of episodes, I've written a couple of articles on this topic. Uh, one was published this July in CISO magazine. You can check that out online, uh, as well as one specifically on VPN split tunneling that is also uh, published, and I put the link for that in the notes. That was published by InfoSecurity Magazine. Uh, both of them talk a little bit about the threats with the remote work environment, but I'm going to go a bit more in detail. A 15-minute, 10-minute, 12-minute, whatever it is, discussion goes a lot further than a 750 or even 2,500-word article. So check out those articles if you're interested in this. Uh, but there are a number of areas of concern uh, with mass remote work at home right now. Work, the, the schooling at home as well is uh, exacerbating this, and two of the items I'm going to discuss will cover schools in particular. Um, phishing is on the rise, uh, leads to more ransomware attacks. Phishing obviously is when you receive an email, click on this link, open this PDF, check out this Word document, there's malicious code inside, and then it either installs bad code on your system, bad software on your system, or takes you to a nefarious website that puts code on your computer, and it can open it up to any number of infections. Uh, the worst of the worst is going to be a keylogger. When you have a keylogger on your system, the nefarious individuals are literally getting every keystroke, and they can easily grab your password and your username for accounts. So it's imperative to be running virus scans and anti-malware scans on a regular basis. Um, one of the documents or emails that I subscribe to is from the SANS organization, SANS.org, and I get their news bites. It comes out once or twice a week, and one of them this week was really specifically on phishing, and it is a global threat. It is a real problem. Uh, this week or in the last 10 days here in the, the first 10, 12 days of September 2020, uh, we see that North Carolina school district was hit with ransomware. Um, it stole information from them and it encrypted data. So they're really at risk of not only ransomware, but extortionware. The variant was a SunCrypt um, 
uh, malware, and it was probably done through the phishing attack. Actually, it was. Um, additionally, in the United Kingdom, there were two universities that were impacted in the same time frame. A Chilean bank was hit. Um, the NetWalker ransomware infected a government agency in Argentina. And we saw in both the Middle East and Africa, uh, government entities were attacked with the Thanos ransomware variant, which has a master boot record overwrite component. So sometimes ransomware is going to steal your data, may or may not encrypt it. Sometimes it's just malicious. I mean, if you're going to overwrite a boot record, you're just destroying a system. This is used in a kinetic fashion. What I mean by kinetic is real world damage. Uh, the, the best example is Stuxnet for anybody that's aware of that. If not, Google it. Uh, it's probably the most famous kinetic attack. It was between the Mossad, uh, which is the Israeli secret uh, agency, and the United States put this together to disrupt and destroy the uh, Iranian nuclear plants. Uh, and slow down their, their progression. It was launched, I think, in 2015. There's books out on this, but Stuxnet was kinetic, and this Thansom, Thanos, sorry, the Thanos ransomware with the master boot record overwrite component is a kinetic attack as well. If you were to hit a banking organization or you were to get this inside of the government that would be able to shut down some critical systems, you're really going to run into some real problems. So phishing is on the rise with the work at home. Uh, in addition to that, vishing, which is voice phishing, that's also on the rise. I can't answer my phone anymore. Honestly, I pretty much have my phone on silent all the time and uh, I'll check voicemail or if I'm glancing at the phone or the, the flash of it catches me and there's a name that I know, I'll answer it. But I'm hit three, four, five times a day. And these are sophisticated. As I mentioned in my privacy podcast, uh, they're using speech to text with AI, so it sounds like a human. And they're actually going after companies that you do business with. I received a call this morning that pretended to be web.com, which is where I host my website. And they said, hey, call this 866 number. We need to talk to you about your billing. I didn't call their 866 number. I've had this vishing attack a number of times. So what I ended up doing was I called the real number for web.com and they said, no, we don't need anything from you. Uh, we're all good gray beard. So it's just, it's, it's nefarious. And because so many people have corporate phones and so many people are working at home now, the, and you can automate this with the robo dialers and the AI, it's just terrible. So vishing is another increased risk and threat from work at home. One of the greatest that I see, and this is one of the articles that I wrote specifically for the InfoSec Institute, I think that's who it was, um, uh, InfoSecurity Magazine, excuse me. InfoSecurity Magazine published a VPN article that I wrote, and I talk about split tunneling. So when you set up a VPN, you can always go down that tunnel, or you can sometimes go down that tunnel. And numerous organizations, I don't like to quantify, but I would be willing to bet that most, meaning more than 50%, are having their employees bypass the corporate network if they don't need corporate resources. So when I go out to NFL.com or NHL.com and I'm working from home and I'm connected to my corporate VPN, I'm just going down my ISP. There is nothing about my corporate VPN that's seeing that. Which means my company does not have the safeguards. The proxy is not seeing where I'm going. I, as an employee, and many of you out there as employees bypass these corporate safeguards. What that means is if I have a computer that's infected and I have a uh, ransomware that is calling out or malware that's calling out to a command and control or CNC, I'm bypassing the proxy which may have blocked that communication and now my corporate machine would be successfully communicating with a botnet uh, or be a part of a botnet and communicating with a CNC. So the reason companies do this is 
if 100% of the traffic went down the VPN, it's going to clog the, the pipes. It's going to be everything. And there's so much traffic that the corporate um, network doesn't need to see. If I'm going to go out and pay my bills, they don't need to see that. If I'm going to go ahead and check the news, they don't need to see that. Now, granted, I shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be doing, we shouldn't be doing this on corporate machines, but some people take a cigarette break, others take a news break. Uh, you know, one, one area that I've talked about that happens is, especially with the NFL season starting here in North America and uh, soccer, football still underway internationally, people are going to gambling sites. And if you have split tunneling disabled, uh, I'm sorry, split tunneling enabled, then when people go to these betting sites, they are bypassing the corporate network and they are going out their standard ISP. And sometimes these websites may have nefarious code on it or fundamentally you shouldn't be going there anyway, but the companies have no visibility of it. So split tunneling has great power in the fact that it can alleviate pressure from a corporate network, whereas if everybody were working at the office, you're going down their network, the proxies are seeing you, the proxies are blocking you, the proxies are tracking you, but now that you're at home, it's not happening. So the companies lose visibility. I'd like to thank Populum for sponsoring this episode. Populum is a collective of premium, full-spectrum CBD supplements, skincare, and pet products designed to be part of a daily wellness routine. There are all kinds of stories in the CBD market, and Populum promises that their ingredients are safe, tested, natural, and clean with strong, full-spectrum concentrations. From their dedicated farmers to their superior customer service team, they all share one mission, to create premium, ethical, and honest CBD. Populum offers a 30-day risk-free trial and fast-free shipping on all orders. You can find Populum at populum.com. That's P-O-P-U-L-U-M.com and use promo code CSGB for 10% off your first order. I've used Populum for two and a half years due to plantar fasciitis and high blood pressure, and after using it for a couple of weeks, my foot pain vanished and my blood pressure dropped. While I've tried other CBD brands, none have provided the benefit that Populum does. Populum is the only CBD for me, and I recommend it for you. Other problems that are occurring with working at home, people are using personal machines for professional work, whether it's checking their email or whether it's going to company websites. If they need the VPN to access the resources, a lot of the times they're not installing that or they shouldn't absolutely be installing it on their machine at home. And maybe they are, maybe they're not, but these machines are not assets of the company. Therefore, they don't have the standard um, device management or the standard antivirus. And companies have no control over this. If I'm going to just swivel over here and use my own machine, my company doesn't know it and they can't control it. And now there's a device that could be touching corporate assets, especially if I install the VPN on it and employees are doing this. They're doing it for a number of reasons. One, their corporate machine may be broken. Two, they may need to be giving their corporate machine to a child so they can do the schoolwork while they work on their home machine. Uh, so these are additional problems. And so what we need to do is make sure that we only use corporate machines with corporate software for corporate business. Um, the bypassing the proxies, as I mentioned, is a real issue. And then switching real quick to students. Zoom and WebEx or video or whatever video tool you're using can be a problem. There are some very terrible stories and I have some links. Uh, there was one very tragic story where uh, a murder actually occurred and a 10-year-old was on Zoom. The teacher was able to fortunately mute the child before things really went downhill. But you actually have a 10-year-old at home, a domestic situation happens, and there are other students in the class that um, could be exposed to this. You have another situation where a 12-year-old uh, was 
uh, had a toy gun on the screen. Some people say he was playing with it. Other people say it was just on the screen. And the school district actually called the police on the individual, even though it was obviously a toy gun. He was suspended from school. The parents fought. They didn't know what was going on. They eventually pulled the child out of the school. But these are things that never happened, that we didn't have to worry about before work at home and school at home. Um, another example is um, Zoom bombing. This is where people get on Zoom meetings that are not invited and they do some pretty terrible stuff, whether it's putting up pornography or, or being racist or hateful. And if you don't have solid admin controls or you have educators that don't know the tool, they don't know how to block it, they don't know how to lock the room, they don't know how to kick it out, and then the kids are just exposed to this vitriol. And again, this is something that we haven't had to deal with. And so there are solutions for it. Um, the cure for Zoom bombing and WebEx bombing is that you don't, put out the passwords to people. You don't publicize it. You don't share the links publicly. Um, you have a password per individual, so only they can use it and you know who they are. And you let people know you don't share the password or anything like that. But a, a problem with this, and again, as cybersecurity professionals, we understand this. But when you have a teacher whose sole responsibility is educating 12-year-olds, and that's what they know is that curriculum, and they're not hyper-technical, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't have the knowledge or the ability to do that. So we as cybersecurity professionals need to find ways to help educators, to help people working at home that are in other professions, whether they're accountants or lawyers or financiers, whether they're administrators, whatever it is, we need to write articles, we need to do podcasts, we need to educate and teach people so that we don't have more of these issues. Um, other solutions along with the cybersecurity awareness training that we can all be a part of, People need to use common sense. If you don't know who sent it, delete it. If you don't know what that link is, don't click on it. Be very aware. Know what is happening. Have click awareness. Don't share information. Don't tell people that which they don't need to know, especially when it comes to meetings or connections or certainly not passwords or usernames or account information. Uh, you don't want any of that. And then on the technical side, for those of us in the field that have the control, we need to make sure that we've implemented network bifurcation. When you have students coming into an environment, they don't need access to certain corporate devices. They need access to file and print services. So have uh, VLANs set up. Have um, tools and technologies that are in place that are preventing the network um, connections. And an example of this would be if somebody were to have their uh, computer connected to the school network and they lose that laptop or even a, a work laptop that's connected to, uh, that auto connects to the VPN, you don't want that laptop to necessarily have connection capabilities to network infrastructure. So have the network infrastructure on a different VLAN and only authorized machines have that access. So the network isolation and bifurcation is a very strong solution. So just to conclude, keep in mind that now that we have so many people working from home with so many new assets and so many new threat vectors, we have students at home with their own equipment and they're dealing with video conferences and they're dealing with Slack and other communicative tools. We need to help people understand what to share, how to share it, when to share it, what to do, what to click on, what not to click on, and be very aware that the cyberverse, as it were, the internet, and everything that we do, it's tied together, and it is not all hunky-dory, and it is all not all safe. And we need to let our parents know, we need to let our children know, we need to let our friends know, and it's imperative that we spread the word that there are cybersecurity threats in the remote work environment and the remote uh, school environment, and we need to be aware, cognizant, and defend ourselves and our loved ones. Thanks again for listening, and this has been the Cybersecurity Graybeard. Have a great day.